Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name is Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how the story sausage is made. On this show we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Plank the first to help you write more, plank the second to help you write better and plank the third to help you be a little bit happier as you do those things. Now guess what? Today I am going to do another episode in my intermittent and long running only because I've spread it out so much, writing a novel series. This is part seven, technically and literally. Uh, there's no there's no metaphorical... I don't know why I said technically part seven, as if there was some metaphorical or different canon way of looking at it that would have made it not. It just is the seventh consecutive episode that I've declared part of the series. If you go onto my SoundCloud page, that's just soundcloud.com, forward slash Tim Clare, where indeed all of the episodes of Death of a Thousand Cuts are, then I've put all the writing a novel episodes into a playlist that you can just listen to in the SoundCloud player. But if you just search Tim Clare, Death of a Thousand Cuts, writing a novel, then you'll find all the episodes. You might want to start with part one, but if you don't and you just want to listen from here, I do not think that there's going to be anything that's going to make it particularly incomprehensible for you. In fact, this might be a good jumping in episode and then you can go back and listen to the other ones and you can hear me uh, when I was younger and more optimistic and I didn't know everything that was to come. Uh, Which is, you know, you'll feel like you're staring back into the past with the kind of tragic irony that all flashbacks tend to contain a little melancholy a little bit of a sense of I I think always when you go into the flashback mode in a story there's always a there's always a, a tragic irony to it almost and a sense of human beings being these kind of puppets who can't see there's always a almost like godlike perspective when you go into a flashback mode no and you the reader know something that the characters do not you feel sometimes like the ghost at the feast this person desperately trying to communicate through a, a pane of frosted glass that is also soundproof banging on it trying to get their attention to let them know and they don't know and sometimes that can be very pleasurable and sometimes it can be deeply irritating how the experience shakes out for you if you listen to the earlier episodes and having listened to this one I don't know just be aware that this is episode seven so the idea of the writing a novel series is I was gonna let this and I'm already putting it in the past tense don't worry this isn't the end of the series just I'm about to introduce a caveat the idea was it was going to follow me from initial coming up with ideas of a novel through to writing a first draft through to me finishing the novel or until I gave up on the basis I thought it'd be really interesting to let people inside the process to let you under the hood hood is a uh, an americanism for bonnet as we say in britain bonnet what a lovely thing what a lovely word to put on a car it's very you know babies have bonnets uh, sort of southern bells have wear bonnets people don't really wear adults don't wear bonnets anymore i wonder if i should bring them back i quite fancy wearing a a, a spring bonnet anyway i'm i'm getting i'm digressing i should say by the way that at the moment I am, this is my final day of self-isolation. 
uh, having contracted COVID last week. I'm fine. I can't smell or taste anything. Uh, I've been a little bit coffee. You may detect a certain wheeze in my voice. I'm going to say a certain husky uh, uh, breathiness, but um, unfortunately, it doesn't have quite that. There's this, I, it turns out like you, it's very difficult to append um, eros to contagious disease. Just doesn't have that. Just doesn't have that uh, level of of sordid attractiveness. Look, the point is, I'm, I, that I'm getting to is that I the idea was I, I was going to let people follow along with my process. And I know that I was not presenting myself as, hey, I'm a great, competent writer. Now you can see how the pros do it. I just thought it would be useful. And I've been very honest on the show. That's me giving myself a pat on the back. I, I, you know, you can see it as honesty. Some people go, well, it's him. It's like, it's really great how honest you are about your struggles and your. Do- I, I think I just lack the sort of guile and creativity to dissemble about how difficult I find writing, how sad or worried I, I have felt at times, and I'm sure will in the future, and, and how much of the craft of writing I, I, you know, I managed to stumble through despite on many levels not being intrinsically inherently constitutionally well suited to it I sort of imagine in my best moments that that's quite an inspirational message for what it's worth (laughs) surely it has to be there has to be something good about this but seriously I I hope that the fact that I make a living doing what I do despite not finding it easy despite not being particularly well wired for it should I hope give hope to you because you kind of uh, because if you go well that's I'm different to that Tim I feel like I was born to write and I'm very good at it well fantastic you're like starting the race several laps ahead that's great news for you contrary wise if you feel well I've always struggled with writing a lot of the time I just don't bother doing it or I've done bits and pieces, but it's kind of in the... It's kind of all secret. I'm doing writing, but it's very much a clandestine business. I'm a... I'm a kind of double agent. And I'm... I feel I'd be hugely embarrassed if people knew about my scribblings. Or maybe you just do not write at all. But you're curious and you're fizzing on the edges of the idea of coming round to the fact that you would ever be allowed to do it because you certainly don't feel yourself... Maybe you you know like reading, you like stories, you like movies, but you haven't really done very much that would suggest you were qualified or you had the right, that you had the, the moral authority to sit down and, and produce a work of fiction or creative non-fiction that... You'd have the temerity to ask another human being to 
give up some of their finite time on this earth to read, let alone imply that they should pay for the privilege of discovering the order that you put some words that are completely free and universally available. You've just said, I've put them in this order. Pay me. You know, it's a preposterous thing to ask on the face of it. But I hope that you can see that, and I'm, you know, there are some people who are really well suited to the art of writing. I do not recognise me in a lot of those descriptions. <laughs> and yet I still write. And if I can do it, you can do it if you want to. I would also say one of the messages of this podcast, which you're free to, you know, weigh and disagree with. If you would like, I would always encourage you to not take anything I say as an article of faith. I assumed when I started out making this podcast that nobody would take anything I said as an article of faith, but it turns out some people do. And so it's not, I hope, arrogance when I when I say that, that, that you know, that I except that some people do respond to what I'm saying. Uh, they do take it as authoritative. Uh, but you, you don't... You're allowed to not write as well. Your self-worth is not determined by your ability to or not. When we get really into writing, we can start thinking it's more important than it is. And that's not, I'm not cocking a snook at the endeavour of creating stories that make other people happy. I'm just saying that you can engage with the world of writing in lots of ways and creating commercially going concerns that are saleable and make you enough to pay your rent is only one of many ways to engage with it. I think probably one of the most pleasurable and worthwhile ways is 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 to read and to you know watch stuff on TV and watch movies and to tell stories with your friends and and have fun. There's a bunch of ways of telling stories like role playing games and and workshops and things like that that to a certain extent and in many cases in to a literal extent don't have any interaction with the great capitalist machine right they're just you and some friends in a room creating stuff that is for a select audience and is by its nature ephemeral it won't go any further than that room probably except in the anecdotes that outsiders don't really get because you had to be there you tell these stories, you make these jokes, you do it when you hang out with your friends, right? And you develop an in-joke on a car, on a, on a road trip or with friends or in a group chat. You develop your own languages, ways of talking about things. You can just spin out a story or a joke or a gag or a bit. You can cartoon out a little character from something someone else said. You, you know, I play with my daughter and, you know, if you've got children or nieces or nephews or you're just the kind of gregarious types that type that plays with children when you get the opportunity uh when you see them anyway you invent characters and stories just in the process of playing games right 
you become a monster a princess a mountain climber whatever the game uh involves maybe you're a customer if you're if you if you're lucky you know you get to be a customer at like the hairdressers or something my my daughter occasionally wants to do uh kind of self-care stroke uh uh hair and beauty style role plays where i just get to sit back and get my hair brushed or something like that and that's very very nice sometimes deteriorates some in a, in a way that i think will be very unprofessional in real life you know i'll start be being smacked in the eye with the hairbrush or maybe the um hairdresser will sit on my head and do a fart that would sort of breaks the uh the reality of it but it introduces a nice element of drama my, my point is that you don't ever have to be a big a author and, and, and frankly if you think of yourself as a big a author you probably are a big a hole sorry uh, but I'm, I'm just saying you know like you can always like you can always i think it's always an identity and a role and an activity to hold lightly as are so many things in in, in this life uh, I, I think it, the power will tend to flow through you most freely when you treat it as a sort of cloak that you're putting on a role that you're inhabiting temporarily and voluntarily as soon as you start seeing it as a destiny as you uh, probably as a capital j job as well when people say you've got to remember that i've said this on the podcast before but when you hear people i hear people say you've got to remember this is comes from authors all the time and um, they're free to disagree with me by the way and i don't want to sound like i'm disrespecting them i this is just my experience and we're all wired differently and some of us more differently than others so i just want to represent the range of viewpoints here but i say what you've got to remember is I hear this often say, how do you kind of get your writing done? What you've got to remember is writing is a job. You've got to treat it like a job. Sometimes you don't feel like writing, but you turn up anyway. And I think that's all well and good and works for them, but it doesn't always generalise to all of us. And it's weird, isn't it? They go that The assumptions about jobs, about work, about the work ethic and capitalism that are folded into that. What you've got to remember, what they say is, what you've got to remember is writing is a job. Right? So, well, that depends on what you're saying a job entails. Because what they don't, you know, because what they're, what they're not using that to bring up is people don't go, what you've got to remember is writing is a job. So always make sure that you are well paid, paid fairly for your labour. Always make sure that you're unionised. And always make sure that you take regular breaks and you have a good work-life balance. When they say always remember it's a job, I, I don't think that that is what... That's rarely why they're invoking it. They, 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 they invoke big J jobs. It's a job to imply obligation. Don't treat... And if it's un, unenjoyable, that's tough because it's an obligation and it's a grown-up mature thing so job means you have to do it otherwise there will be dire real life consequences and um you shouldn't expect to always enjoy it 
you you child. You know, it's in the, I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting what their assumptions about the world of work are that are revealed or implied through that wielding of the concept of job as applied to writing. And I don't know, as a reader, I just sometimes, you've got to sometimes ask, like, is, do you, are you drawn to the idea of reading a story that was written by someone doing a job in that sense going through the motions paying lip service to the uh, to the idea of creativity someone who was pretty miserable doing it who was treading water who was punching the clock and putting words on the page does that intrinsically excite you is that what you sign up for as a reader i i, I don't know i'm 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 putting my thumb on the balance here. And, you know, I think a good response would be, well, how would you know, Tim? You know, are you you claiming to know whether someone enjoyed the bit that they were reading or not, that they were writing or not? Are you, you, can you tell when something was written? Because I've definitely, you know, we've all, as someone who's been to, hundreds perhaps over a thousand poetry open nights open mics i've heard poems that were perhaps written in a state of ecstatic joy that are not intrinsically entertaining to listen to they're not bad and it doesn't make the person a bad but you know they're not sometimes craft involves turning up and doing something difficult but anyway to get back to this project, writing a novel, I knew that I would probably find it difficult, but I hoped that opening the door on my difficulties would be useful. I did the last episode, so this was episode 32 of this season. So that's part six of writing a novel, where I'd written a bit, and I thought I'd go back and do some edits on it, on my own work to give you a bit of an insight into how I see it and because I had some I had some issues with what I'd written so I've been going you know I've been coming up with some ideas for this novel that'd be sort of fantasy um with the putative working title of the only good king and then there's some talk about the you know some umming and ahhing about the gender of the of the protagonist this kind of like a kind of revenge stroke murder mystery story or hardboard detective i guess is the genre but in a fantasy setting and then and then i had these i was thinking that sounds a bit grim dark and i'm not i don't see myself as a grim dark writer i don't particularly enjoy it as a, a as a genre i find it a bit cynical so i want to write and then i wrote a bit and i wasn't happy with it and i I've done so many other people's first pages on this podcast. I thought it was only fair that I put one of my own up and, and showed that I sort of hold myself to the same sort of standard. And actually, a reaction to it by listeners was not great. I think it made some people feel a bit sad. Maybe I went harder on myself than I would have 
would have on other listeners maybe i wasn't aware of that i don't know quite what happened but i got a few, quite a few messages from people saying they felt like they just heard me sort of just rip myself apart and how that was a bit disheartening and a bit you know and i and i guess like it, it, that can sometimes come across as as me, as me going oh like this is what this is what i really think now you're hearing the unfiltered bit. And if I am treating my own work with that kind of level of scorn and criticism, maybe that's what I think about everyone's secretly. And so if you're listening to that and you hear me attack a first draft sentence that I've done and just tear it to shreds, I, I suppose it can sound self-indulgent. and I hate that term and I know some people sort of but I understand what we're saying. So on one hand, it could have just seemed a little bit self-indulgent in the sense that I was just working on my own work and maybe that was a bit too sort of inward looking, which is, you know, fair enough. I mean, I think this series is is going to have to involve some introspection. It can't. I can't talk about writing my own work without doing that. But the second complaint and one that I think is more legitimate or can be at least addressed within the bounds of what I'm doing here is that it was unnecessarily harsh and not very helpful that it was just like watching me sort of self-flagellate performatively and it was a bit sad and it wasn't really what the podcast tries to be about and and, and, and lo and behold I haven't written any more on that book or done any more work for months. Now, I should say, it's not that I haven't been writing. I've been doing a lot of creative non-fiction. I've finished the edits, and this morning I just sent off the final, final, final corrections for my new book, Coward, the one about anxiety, which is out next May. I've been doing lots of interviews and a little bit of writing and some research. My new book doesn't have a title yet, but it's about games and the communities people who play games and try to figure them out and try to figure out why I love games and why I've been so drawn to them and that's been a real journey for me and the journey continues and I don't know what the title is going to be and I don't the same as with Coward when I was started writing I didn't know what the thesis was going to be of the book you know I tried to keep that a little bit open so I can so I don't pick a position this is what I'm going to argue for and then go searching for evidence that supports that so it's not like I've been it's not like I've been blocked I have been working but I haven't been doing any fiction and I feel I do feel sad about that and this last week because I've been ill what you know I've been watching a couple of movies with my daughter because I've just not been well enough to do much creative or active and also I haven't been allowed to leave the house and neither has my wife so we've been stuck doing indoor pursuits I've watched a few movies and then when she's gone to bed I've watched a few in the evening as well and just reminded me how much I love fiction and well-crafted stories and that feeling of moving through a story and how I love how I really I really enjoy plot 
even well and and I enjoy recognizing the structure of plot. I find it very satisfying and entertaining. I I don't find formula boring at all. I I love seeing how something works within formula constraints whether they be formal ones in terms of plot structure, whether they be ones in terms of genre or all of those things I find it really really interesting and I enjoy it a lot and I love seeing what freedoms someone can come up with whilst obeying some of the restrictions of a particular form structural stylistic whatever and and, and I want to write you know but I I just I thought I needed to record one of these episodes it's because i've been ill so i've not been recording stuff and i've been doing lots of interviewee style things and first page stuff i thought you know i want to how can i get back to this how can i start writing some fiction while acknowledging that i've got a limited amount of time each day i'm going to be doing non-fiction projects going to be for the foreseeable future you know something that I, I really want this games book I really want to get the get a first chapter written and a, that's how you with non-fiction I think I've explained this before but you write a, you write your like little first chapter and then a, a chapter outline for what the rest of the book might look, look like and then you work those up and then you come up with a title and you come up with a little description of what you think the book's going to be about and then you submit it to publishers and see what they think and if someone likes it Maybe at that point they might negotiate and say, well, I'd really like to see something about this in there. Maybe they love it as is. Maybe they just don't think it's right. But you don't write the whole book. Now, in practice, you really do have to do a lot of the work towards the book because, well, you'd have to be a smarter person than I am to be able to plan all the chapters for a book you haven't yet written, knowing enough in terms of research to be able to describe those chapters in a sufficiently compelling way that someone would want to read them. So frankly, like all the little anecdotage and content of the chapters has to be researched. And once you've done that, you've done most of the book, really. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. But I want to continue writing fiction because it's sustaining and because it's my life and because it's an important part of me. And because I, I, when I'm enjoying it, I do love it. And I was trying to work out how to do it. And, and the thing is, like, whenever I mention this, right, people go to Tim, like, you, you've done two... You've done two creative writing courses. How can you not know? Why don't you follow your own advice? And my own advice is, you know, those both are structured in, like, ten minutes a day. Now, I, don't, I think ten minutes might be a little short, but it's... A reasonable principle and and just as I was con- considering this uh, someone shared um, a sort of fairly I think in retrospect I hadn't heard it before but I when I've gone searching uh, the Google archives for it it seems to have been widely shared so I think it's it's fairly well known amongst uh, a fandom but Terry Pratchett uh, you know what he said his method for writing was and that he was fairly prolific and he seemed to like writing now he did have the advantage of mostly writing within one world so stuff sort of 
accrued and he could develop a voice. I don't want to say that this is the only... I mean, he did write other things as well, but I don't want to say this is the only thing that helped him. And there may be temperamental things that help people as well. I'm sure that's true. And just the way we are and the way our lives are set up. So I do not want to suggest for a moment this is the... uh, that it's all technique. But technique and structure and things like that are the bits we can monkey with, right? Like, I can't be a different person. There are some things I can move around in the architecture of my life, but there are some things that are givens and fixed. And and, and, and I'd like me talking to you now while having COVID. There was, there was, there were events that just appear in our lives, right? And there's stuff we've got to do. So we, we're always going to have stuff knocking into us and changing what we were our plans and things like that but i have realized and and had some evidence of in the last few months that i really respond well to structure i really respond well to small targets and something that repeatable and something i can note down i think it's i think it takes away a lot of the cognitive load from me and I think from the letters I get about my courses the structure there does the same I think this is probably true for a lot of people that having and especially when you're doing something creative where within the space you've got so much freedom I think it's good to just set down almost like something you can trace it's just something to reduce the number of unnecessary decisions so you're not wasting thought power and willpower on should I do this now? Should I, what should I do? How much should I do? Let's just take that away and have something where it's very clear whether we are meeting our goal or not meeting our goal. What we need, what is required of us, something that is doable. Because as I've said before, and you know, as discussed in the episode that you know the interview I did a while back with Dr Tim Pitchell about procrastination write a novel is a fundamentally unexecutable command you you can't write a novel it's it's something that has happened in you know that happens in the past but like it's not it you can open your laptop you can move your finger and press a key to make a letter appear on the page but you can't in one go write a novel and so if your goal is I want to write a novel actually whether you sit down and do half an hour or not neither of those things write the novel it's only it's a cumulative result of tens of thousands of tiny decisions and that is just making me feel exhausted even thinking about it. I mean, probably I'm also exhausted because <laughs> I'm affected by the neuroinflammatory component of the pandemic disease that has ravaged the world for the past two years. <laughs> but but also I'm fi- I'm fine. But like also like what an exhausting thing to do. So here's the quote from Terry Pratchett. Quote 
For more than three years, I wrote more than 400 words every day. I mean, every calendar day. If in those pre-portable days I couldn't get to a keyboard, I wrote hard the previous night and caught up the following day. And if it ever seemed that it was easy to do the average, I upped the average. So I I think 400 words a day is a nice goal. It's not unchallenging, but it's not loads either. I think on um, the bestseller experiment, they, they've been doing a 200 words a day challenge. And I, I the, the podcast mark on the the show before and i've been on their podcast and it's fantastic podcast by the way if you uh haven't listened to it go and listen to the bestseller experiment now they have so many authors on and they really do some really great coverage of uh sort of indie publishing as well and, and 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 promotion stuff that i just wouldn't even know where to begin talking about so i think really kind of covers a lot of different grounds to to why do this lots <laughs> quite a lot less sort of existential angst and dark nights of the soul and a lot more uh how to, how to get your book to readers or how to do a good twist <laughs> it's <laughs> so you know potato potato uh, but it's uh I, they, they've been doing 200 words a day and maybe 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 400 words is even too much maybe that's too much but i'm i i think i'm gonna go with pratchett's 400 words a day of fiction starting of course tomorrow on this book and start from the beginning and see where it gets me now i'm, te- I'm gonna tell you i'm terrified I have an idea of where I'd like to start it. But I've also got other ideas of other books I'd like to write instead. The thing is, I know when I'm sitting around a table playing, you know, Dungeons and Dragons with my groups there, that the idea of coming up with characters and stories and just kind of improvising and not worrying it's going to be perfect or whatever is not that difficult. So anyone I think, you know, is it, am I committed to this? Is this mine? Am I enjoying this? Is this going to be good? That I start to get sort of antsy and fidgety and worry it's wrong. And I start to zero in on little details. And, you know, you can tell me that's not helpful. I know it's not. I know that everybody... <laughs> Nobody says, as soon as you feel the slightest inkling, I've never heard an author say, you know, have you got any advice for writers, you know, who want to, you know, get their books finished? I'm really struggling. I've never heard them say, as soon as you get the slightest inkling that something in what you've written is not perfect, stop dead. Go back over what you've written, pour through it, chapter and verse, line by line, word by word, Find everything that is wrong with it and change those things. Only then, only then may you continue. And if it is not salvageable, you need to delete everything 
and start from the beginning. Start over, maybe start in a different place. And if you don't know where to start, stop entirely and wait until you are sure you know how it should start. Like, nobody says that. And yet I really struggle not to write like that. That's bad, isn't it? And, you know, Timmy C, like, <laughs> it's like I'm this guy who has, in many aspects, like, pretty good self-insight on this, and yet can't always move around it. Now, I should say, in my non-fiction writing at the moment, not feeling any of this, really. Like, of course, sometimes I don't really want to write it, or I'm not sure, but I'm not that bothered by it. I can still, like, sit down and bash some stuff out. And uh, the other thing is, like, if I ever was ever sort of super stuck, I've always got just a bunch of interviews which are sitting there. And my goodness, I know from the last book it is a task. But um, I've got days and days of work that where I'm just going to be sitting down transcribing bits from interviews I've done. So if you ever get completely like with nonfiction, you can just sit down and transcribe the interviews you've done. And you go, well, I'll just wait. And, and and inevitably something will be brought up in them that'll make you go, ah, that's why I was inspired. Oh, that's that's a great line that I want to include in it, or whatever. So I'm not like locked up as a, a writer and producing stuff. I just in this fiction, I'm, you know, not sure. And so my plan, and that's what I'm reporting to you, not really for accountability, although I have found that accountability helps me as well. Um is is that I'm going to do 400 words a day starting tomorrow on this this novel and I'll see how I go and what I'm not going to do when I speak to you next time is give you some of the text and then edit it in front of you I might read some of it out but I just I, I need to resist the temptation to continually edit myself on the fly. It's like trying to change the wheels on the car while you're driving. You inevitably crash. I mean, if you did try to change the wheels on the car while driving, you'd, you would probably die before you crashed, right? You'd be leaning out the window and... I mean, the crash would happen, but you'd, you'd be dead. Um... It's, it's it. It doesn't matter. The metaphor it doesn't have to be perfect. The, the, all that I need to do is turn up and do four hundred words a day. Now, four hundred words a day is <laughs> it's two thousand eight hundred words a week. There, I did it. Like it's just a bit, you know. Just I'm just like I'm broken out in a sweat talking to you. <laughs> I'm just in that sort of like end stage of an illness thing where. As I understand it from the research, I'm no longer contagious, but I've just got this exhaustion hanging over me and maths seems hard. Anyway, 2,800 words, right? That means in a, let's call a month, in every four weeks, you do just over 10,000 words. It's not a lot, but it will build up over time. I think that's doable. I think it'd be hard but it won't be hard because of the mechanical effort of doing it it'll be hard because I'm just very self-critical you know and 
I feel very vulnerable and I know and now and I'm learning things about myself that maybe offer other explanations of why I'm like this but I um I find it hard not to notice tiny things and fixate on tiny problems rather than just accepting something might be wrong or not perfect and keeping going and and for some writers they can work around that and for me I found that historically hard but we'll see we'll, we'll get going with it and I'll report back on to you next time I do one of these episodes and see whether I've got some words under my belt and my plan is look I mean there's if it was easy to do the average I up the average says Terry Pratchett well I'm not really going to attempt to up the average because I think that just creates a that might create a little bit of a of a of a conveyor belt sort of uh, treadmill effect where my my when it, whenever I do well I you know I'm punished by creating more work for myself and uh, whenever and then it's easier to do badly and you don't want to make your best days uh become a sort of like new standard that you've got to hit i'll just aim for a steady 400 i'll try and stop after 400 rather than keeping myself going and that way at least if i limit myself like that then i'll always i might be looking to the next day going cool i really want to finish that bit i can just remember what i wanted to write and i, I want to get back to it you know stopping before you're kind of satiated is good with writing i think makes it start feeling like a treat you're like oh i'm gonna get to sit down and do my 400 words yay that's not like how nice is that you're sitting down going God, i'm only limit i'm only allowed 400 what am i gonna do with that today that's good that's a lot what a lovely oh so i'm gonna try and do that and i'll try and have fun with it and i'll try and write a bit of this story and hopefully i can find the things in it that i liked and I, I maybe the watchword for me as well is I want it to have heart and love and I think maybe in the way I was conceiving it it was just like a bit it was like a bit gory and a bit kind of like treachery dark treachery rather than interesting maybe it needs to be funnier than i was thinking you know maybe it's a maybe it's not really aimed at adults maybe it's a bit more of a not children not like picture book but maybe it's a younger for a younger audience or at least implicitly i don't know i just i just feel like i don't want to write something that's all about people getting their throats slit and gurgling out and you know someone drowning someone in a font and font as in the baptismal font not like career new or something wingdings just imagine being drowned in wingdings well i think sometimes i do feel like i'm being drowned in wingdings what with all the emojis of today right that's a sign that i need to go and take some more paracetamol because i'm making dad jokes 
Oh, it's probably a sign I'm getting better and back to my old self. But that's what I'm going to do. Feel free to join me, by the way, if you want to, you know, start setting yourself a, a a word count every day. Like I would say, go check out the bestseller experiment if you want to see how they've been approaching it, because I think they really thought this through. This is sort of like I'm pulling this slightly out my bottom, but um, I'm going to have a go at doing a sort of ultra low daily word count target and see how I get on with that. And, and, and make sure I'm sort of noting down my progress somewhere as well. I think probably doing that makes it more likely that I will turn up and write it. But I want to be able to do this while sort of still doing my main work on my non-fiction. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much for sort of sticking with me. I really appreciate it, especially you know, with my increasingly erratic upload schedule uh, created slightly by, I don't know, my work just seems to take me all over the place at the moment. I want to make sure when I do an episode that I'm doing it about something I care about and not just sort of turning up and going, hello, it's Tuesday blah 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 it's not tuesday today so i wouldn't say that but i just want to i just want to make sure i'm making them for the right reason and uh and then i've been ill and sweating and uh helping look after the house because everyone in the house has been ill and we're all sort of on the road to recovery now i hope you're well do stay stay safe um do sort of check in with your friends as well i don't know why i'm coming out with these sort of cod avuncular bits of pastoral wisdom stroke anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna start doing other things i'm not qualified for like cutting to the traffic cam and giving you advice on where there's jams look have a, a lovely week if you enjoy the show and you want to support it then you can go to um my uh coffee page that's ko-fi.com forward slash tim claire drop me a few beans i really appreciate your support it's how i'm able to continue doing this show is because listeners like you go and click on that link in the show notes or google tim claire coffee ko-fi maybe and uh and, and choose just to to donate a few pounds and it all sort of adds up in a way that allows this to be a going concern as a show you can pre-order coward if you want i think you can do that at on the waterstones website you can't do it on amazon but to be honest you probably shouldn't anyway right i'm gonna go now and rest thank you for listening and i hope you have a wonderful week of writing.